You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Joel Snibson. This is a reading from Matthew 22, verse 1 to 14. The parable of the wedding banquet. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out onto the street and gathered all the people they could find both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But then the king came in to see the guests. He noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. Well, culture has equated love with not needing to change. The idea that everyone is to be celebrated just as they are and if there's a God who loves us means that he doesn't want us to ever change. This is promoted in our schools, universities, TV shows, our friends trying to be nice. These ideas are certainly on display in reality TV. I generally don't watch or like reality TV. I have. But the premise goes, whether it's The Bachelor, uh, contestants dress up all nice and then are plastered with alcohol, manipulated by producers and otherwise respectable people end up behaving really badly. It usually involves crying, taking sides, some kind of brawl, and every angle of the drama is captured pulling big ratings for the TV networks. And those involved comfort each other with words like, Don't change for anyone. You be you, honey. No regrets. They were so terrible. See, our culture's mantra is no regrets. Don't change for anyone. Well, today we finish up with the stories of the kingdom with Matthew 22 verses 1 to 14. 
And in this parable, we see a king's wonderful invitation to a royal wedding of the century. But as some outrageously reject this invitation or only come on their terms, Jesus challenges us that knowing him should change us. Well, firstly, an outrageous RSVP. See, Jesus describes a king throwing a wedding for his son. This is a big deal, a royal event. Think of Meghan and Harry's wedding of the century. This was the place to be with big names on the guest list, an entourage. So an absolute honour to be invited. See, in Jesus' days, weddings didn't have a hard start time. So in verse 3, the servants were sent out reminding the guests who had already received and accepted the invitation that it's now time to come to the banquet. It's ready. They'd already RSVP'd. This was just a reminder. So when they refused to come, they were going back on their previous promise. So the king graciously sent out more servants, inviting them, and they refused again. To be clear, they RSVP'd and then refused to come twice. This was the king's son's wedding. Refusing this wedding invitation was political insubordination, an absolute insult to the king. But verse 5, they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. Honestly, their field and business could definitely wait just one evening given this epic occasion, but they just didn't care. Like imagine that your team made it to the AFL Grand Final or your favourite band is touring and somehow you amazingly got tickets with great views, exclusive VIP access to the rooms after. And excitedly, you give your spare ticket to a friend who is also a massive fan. But on the day, they text you, sorry, not coming. I just need a quiet day at home. See, they completely miss the significance of the occasion, the worth of the tickets. In verse 6, Jesus describes how God had graciously sent the prophets God's servants who continually invited Israel's leaders to return back to him. But refusing to change, they mistreated and killed them. And now the religious elites were planning the same for Jesus. See, by rejecting Jesus, they're ultimately rejecting God's invitation. But look to verses 8 and 9. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. But those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So in a surprising turn of events, insiders not interested. Now outsiders are invited to party with the king. The insiders rejecting the invite. The king graciously flings the doors wide open, inviting those on the outside to enjoy this epic wedding instead. Notice the honesty of this new guest list. This was anyone and everyone, the bad as well as the good. See, in the parable of the two sons, this was inviting the prostitutes and the tax collectors. This was the poor and the undesirable, people who the religious leaders couldn't imagine 
belonging to God. And if you're anything like me, I want the parable to finish here in verse 10. King Jesus inviting the broken and sinful and excluded people to feast with him just as they are. A wonderful, inclusive picture of God's kingdom. But in verses 11 to 13, the king gets all hung up on a dress code and kicks this guy out and ends all pretty dark. What's going on? Well, the king just brought these people off the streets and then expected him to go home and do an outfit change. Could he even afford wedding clothes? See, in Jesus' day, wedding clothes were meant to be white clothing. There was no worries about upstaging the bride, right? And we know Jesus spoke against religion that only focuses on the outward, and he always sided with the poor and those rejected by the powerful. But Jesus' point goes beyond clothes. These brought in from the streets would have been given wedding clothing to wear as they arrive at the royal banquet. So this, what was the man's sin? Well, he accepted the king's offer of grace and thought, I'm in, I don't need to change for anyone. And because he took, because the reception was free, he took it lightly. But the king had generously invited him to exchange his filthy clothes from his old life and put on new royal clothes fitting to feast with the king. But there on his terms, he chose not to put on what he had been given. Jesus offers a glorious invitation. But often we get Jesus' invitation wrong, that we need to behave, then believe, in order for us to belong. You know, that we have to first get our lives together and behave a certain way, often white and middle class, and, uh, and immediately believe all the right things about God, and only then we might be acceptable to belong and be part of Jesus' kingdom feast. We get the order wrong. But just like those from the streets, Jesus invites us just as we are, broken, sinful, undeserving, bad, desperately needing to change. It's only through Jesus' life, death and resurrection that God has invited us and undeserving people to delight in his glorious banquet in God's presence for all eternity. We come to Jesus in sin-stained clothes and it's only through what Jesus has done in our place that he has dressed us in purity and righteousness and makes us acceptable to have a seat at God's table. If you've been to a few weddings, when it comes to the feast, at some the food is amazing. You know, you savour every course Yet others, you might have to grab some takeaway on the way home. But what I think makes the reception is more about the company on your table or the joy on the dance floor being in the presence of the bride and groom. When Isaiah 55 from the Old Testament, it prophesies about this banquet with King Jesus, his free invitation to feast taste and delight in Jesus' presence that truly satisfies. Well, Jesus' invitation to us is not based on our goodness, 
how we respond to Jesus' invitation is significant. Those preoccupied in their field and business, it was constantly rejecting the king's invitation that made them unworthy. God so patiently and graciously invites us, giving an ungrateful people multiple chances to join his feast. This was true for Israel. It's true for the religious leaders in Jesus' day, and it can be true for us. This banquet was free, but it wasn't cheap. It came at great cost to the king. And this epic invitation should have been received with great joy. But whether the insiders distracted making money or this outsider accepting the king's gracious invite only on his terms, both completely miss the honour of who this feast is with. And they don't change. Likewise, we don't want to change. Like this man, we can accept Jesus' invitation and think, well, I'm fine just as I am. I don't need to change. Let's not confuse Jesus' wide open invitation with our culture's message that love means we don't need to change. Well, our culture has falsely given us permission not to face our brokenness and desperate need to be transformed. We know our brokenness just doesn't go away and it doesn't work for us. I bet in an argument with your partner or friend, mid-argument, you were not thinking, oh, they're great just as they are. They never, ever need to change. We clearly see in others that not everyone should remain themselves and be celebrated, particularly if they've hurt us. Just turning on the news and seeing the horror of war or scrolling on social media, there's so much that is inconsistent with the splendour of our King who invites us to feast with Him. We can hypocritically look down on the worst of behaviour, like those on a reality show, completely blind to their need to change, but often we're no different. I have deep regrets. And we don't want to change because we don't want to face our sin and our deep brokenness. We justify certain behaviour or things that have taken Jesus' place because we like being in control. Well, two weeks ago, Maddie gave us an ethical decision-making diagram with commands, consequences and character. And this parable is uncomfortable to us because Jesus speaks about the serious consequences for this man who didn't take the king's wedding invite with the seriousness it deserved. Look to verse 13. And then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This graphic language describes the consequences of God's eternal judgment for not taking Jesus' invitation seriously enough. King Jesus is returning as our judge. He's coming to separate and reveal all who are the true guests at his glorious banquet who will feast for all eternity and those who will face a terrifying consequences of a continuing to reject Jesus' invitation, choosing eternity outside of God's presence. This is really confronting and it makes us uneasy to think of God as our judge and 
But if God is loving and just, he just can't overlook evil behaviour of those who keep rejecting Jesus' offer and continually refuse to change. We can't know Jesus and not change. How we live each day matters. You might think, well, on the balance of things, I'm pretty good. What's confronting here how both the indifferent and distracted insiders and those murdering people, the king lumps together as unworthy and face the same judgment. Last week, Dell spoke about the real dangers of ignoring Jesus. See, if he's not central for us, we won't notice all the inconsistencies between his kingdom feasts in our daily lives. The world's mantra, you do you, that everything in our lives should be celebrated, isn't loving, it's actually really dangerous. And the man who attends and refuses to change shows that responding to Jesus' invitation once isn't enough. The chosen are changed by King Jesus. See, Jesus' epic invitation to feast with him demands us to change to put on Jesus' new royal clothes in our lives consistent with our King. We can't separate that God loves us and that he wants us to change. In the Gospels, notice how people who accepted Jesus' invitation and trust him were completely changed. Jesus didn't say to the tax collector or prostitute or religious bigot, you're really amazing just as you are. Don't change for anyone. No, he met them in their brokenness, offered them new lives, a fresh start, freedom. Jesus' love reaches us where we are, but his love refuses to let us stay as we are. You may have heard that the church is described as a hospital for sinners. Jesus said it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. But Jesus doesn't want us to remain sick forever. I worked at a hospital for eight years and I can tell you that the goal of every doctor and nurse and staff at the hospital want people to get well and go home. The joy is found in the discharge of a healthier patient, not one who's there for months or leaving in a body bag. Jesus' invitation to his feast is one of healing and transformation. Spiritually, we're not meant to stay sick, and Jesus' invitation involves changing our lives from the inside out. But like this king, Jesus demands consistency between his kingdom banquet and our daily lives. Responding to Jesus' invitation means that our belonging and believing changes who we are becoming. We need all three Bs. See, responding to Jesus' invitation to enter his epic feast is more than a one-time thing, but all of our lives is to be defined by repentance. Repentance means changing our minds and going in this direction, and now with Jesus going in the opposite direction, following him. And repentance mostly looks like many small, daily, often unremarkable choices and new priorities. But over time, it shapes who we're becoming. What changes is the Holy Spirit pinpointing in us? This can feel overwhelming. We desperately need help to change even a little. Our determination alone has limits. 
Earlier in Matthew 7, 16 to 17, Jesus says that every good tree produces good fruit. Well, this looks like a lifestyle of repentance, of constantly coming back to Jesus' invitation, remaining in him, delighting in his better feast that Jesus offers us in God's presence. And the Holy Spirit will start to grow good fruit in our lives. So change is the Spirit's work, but also requires us to be intentional. We won't just drift to becoming like Jesus. And whether those are preoccupied in their business and field or the man who just turns up and refuses to change, indifference is dangerous. See, if our hearts aren't moved by Jesus' generous invitation, something else is more important. Where is there inconsistency in our priorities? The business and field owners rejected the greatest invite because of the love of money. Jesus said you can't serve both God and money. One will be a master of our hearts. Yet idolizing money is so socially acceptable. It's disguised as wisdom or work ethic or providing for the family. And with high interest rates, it can consume us. But as we feast with Jesus... Let's take off chasing the rat race like everyone else and put on depending on God and generosity. I know that in my life, inconsistencies in my character and my priorities have been due to idols of my heart, making good things, God things, taking the top spot over Jesus. What consumes our free time, our imaginations, How do our priorities expose what's most important? Where do you feel the conflicting interests? So idols can be anything, being a foodie in fitness, finances, friendships, fashion, even family. What is causing misplaced priorities in our lives? See, these insiders couldn't even forego one single night away from their business or field. Their heart's completely deluded to what is most important. Our idols deceive us about what brings true happiness and offer to fail to deliver this happiness for us. Well, before our kids, uh, when I found out Adele was pregnant, it was pure joy. But also real fear of losing some things in my life that I enjoyed and prioritised. In hindsight, Many of the fears are real. (laughs) I haven't been to the movies in three years. But now as I spend a Friday night hearing Hannah learn to speak and Naomi's bald head bobbling in front of me as we cuddle, my heart is filled with joy. These other things I once prioritised, I still enjoy. But there's been a clear shift of what's most important in my heart because I've experienced something so much better. Like the craziness of rejecting the best tickets to the AFL Grand Final or our favourite band, Jesus' invitation is so much better. His banquet is better than we could expect or imagine as we savour and feast with King Jesus and this compels us to hold other priorities loosely. Jesus is challenging us. The measure of our faith is not how we initially responded at some church camp or crusade X years ago, but how we're responding to Jesus' invitation to trust him, be changed by him today. Reflect over the last year. 
Over the last 12 months, can you think of just one area where your desires and priorities have shifted, even reordered? Maybe it's new desires for quality time in God's presence in his word or times of prayer. Experiencing the joy of Christian community or serving here. Maybe it's contributing today to the harvest, sharing in Jesus' priorities for the poor. But the man at the banquet, there on his terms, rejected putting on Jesus' better white robe to feast with the king. And this exposed his character, his pride, his arrogance, and his response was completely inconsistent with the king's presence and generous invitation. As I finish, where is there inconsistency in our character? What persistent areas of our character has been consistently inconsistent with Jesus' glorious kingdom? Today, before God, our holy judge, in what areas do we have deep regrets? Where is the Spirit calling us from for repentance and transformation, not celebration? Flying off the handle in rage. A loose tongue that, that mocks and gossips and manipulates. A lack of self-control with what we eat, drink, view on TV, scroll online. We're constantly bitter from grievances with people and unforgiveness. What old dirty garments is a spirit calling us to take off? Respond to Jesus' gracious invitation today. The Spirit gently highlights areas that need to grow and change, not everything all at once. And as parts of our lives begin to reflect Jesus' banquet, we receive new insights about other dirty clothes inconsistent with Jesus' kingdom that we're still wearing. Who we are becoming with Jesus is a lifelong journey. But wonderfully, Jesus doesn't only invite us from rags, but to his abundant feast with him an invitation to the best possible life. What new spotless garments is King Jesus wanting to clothe you in today? Colossians 3, 12 to 14. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness, and patience. We can't do it alone. With the Holy Spirit and each other, let's keep coming back to Jesus' epic invitation, an invitation to savour and delight in God's abundant banquet with our King. At Jesus' feast, there's forgiveness and power to change. May our belonging, believing, define who we're becoming. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.